Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Frankie De Jesus, and you are listening to Eye of the Storm, Episode 7. It's been a long time. Long time. We shouldn't have left you. Left you. Without a dope Step two. Step two. been a while since my last episode so allow me to reintroduce the show this is a podcast about the wildstorm universe if it happened in wildstorm past or present we'll be talking about it here granted most of the wildstorm comic books that i collect are the superhero stuff but we will be delving into the other genres that wildstorm delves into like their horror line which features comic books like supernatural or Freddy versus Jason versus Ash, or most recently, Ferryman. We'll even be going into their CMX product, which is basically their manga line, and even their ABC line, which is America's Best Comics, the imprint that Alan Moore started with Tom Strong, Promethea, or Top Ten, which is still going on now. You can contact the show in a variety of different ways. One is through email, which is frankiedehesus at gmail.com or eyeofthestormpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can leave a comment on or the show's comment line, which is 914-595-6629. And just leave a comment. Or you can leave a message on our message boards once I have a message board set up again. The old one at comicforums.com got shut down due to, I'm assuming due to the fact that it wasn't used for months due to non-action, which I'm not complaining. I, that I totally understand the people at the comicforums.com are nice guys and I appreciate them helping me out with the forum the first time and hopefully they'll be able to help me set up a second one. So however you decide to contact the show just leave a comment or message or rant or whatever you want so long as it pertains to a wildstorm product or or anything that's connected to a wildstorm product like supernatural or freddy versus jason versus ash um you want to talk about the new movie that's supposed to be coming out called push which wildstorm is putting out a comic for talk about it and i'll i'll put it on the show you can subscribe to the show on iTunes. You can also check out the show on comicspace.com or even vote for us on podcastalley.com. Void, port us up there now. Before we get started, I'd like to explain my absence from the show um, and what happened and why it took so long to come out with it number seven episode of Eye of the Storm. At first I had just gotten a new job and this was like the third job I was holding on to and that took up a lot of my time and I just couldn't find time to sit down and work, take notes on the show and, and just 
record the show. And then, then I found time. I found time. And I recorded the show. I recorded probably would have been the greatest show you have ever heard. But apparently I'm not the greatest host. And I didn't save it. And I wasn't saving it as I was recording it. And as I was recording it, it just shut off on me. The audacity. And I lost an entire episode. And that just discouraged me. And on top of that, you know, I lost time again. I couldn't find time to sit down again and make a show. Especially after that. And then on top of that, you know, personal issues came into the picture. And of course, you know, life gets in the way. And it was coming to a point where the show was starting to feel like an obligation. And I didn't want that. I did not, I did not want to not want to make the show. If that makes sense. You know, I, I love talking about comics. I love talking about Wildstone comics. So I made the decision that, you know, I was going to have to make the show whenever I can make the show. And damn it all, the deadlines and, you know, how, however long this show was going to come out, that's when it was going to come out. Because, you know, my life has to come first. You know, I have to make money. I have to live. You know, I have to take care of people that I have to take care of. So, incidentally, I have the storm. I had to go on the back burner for a while. But, you know, right now, things are calming down a little. So I'm able to find some time here and there to put put a show together. That's what I'm hoping to be able to do now. And hopefully on a more regular basis, too. But, you know, hey, this is a Wildstorm-based comic book podcast. What you expect? You expect me to be on my deadlines? <laughs> Just joking. But I would like to apologize... To anybody who was anticipating episode 7. I mean, I don't know how many people out there were actually anticipating Eye of the Storm episode 7. You know, maybe that one person, I don't know. But, you know, I'm not trying to make excuses for y'all. This is just what happened. So, let's move on. Find me in Boston, no LA, sweet home Chicago, it's too far away. I'm going where it's gritty, mm, my New York City. When I left you with episode 6, it was right before the New York Comic Con 2008. Uh, before we actually get started with episode 7, I'd like to just give a brief overview of my experience. Um, Comic-Con 2008 was basically, technically, my first real experience at a convention. I went to one, you know, when I was a kid, very young, maybe 13, maybe, you know, and I didn't really appreciate it then, you know, I was just running around like a chicken with his head cut off. I just did not appreciate the Comic-Con back then. And it wasn't New York Comic-Con. I think it was Big Apple or something like that. But anyway, at the New York Comic-Con 2008, I had a great time. Um, it's one of those things I wish I went with a friend or something. I went by myself and I brought a whole bunch of stuff and I was carrying it for all three days by myself. It was ugh, crazy. My back was killing me. By the end of that weekend, um, I met I met some podcasters, 
some some of my fellow podcasters. And I, I kind of feel like I bitched out a little bit. I met um, Sensei Whatnot from Raging Bullets. You know, and I introduced myself. I was like, hey, my name is Frankie. I do Eye of the Storm. And, he, you know, and he said hi back. And he, you know, he seemed like he had some sort of recognition of who I was. You know, maybe that's just him being nice or maybe maybe actually heard a show or two. You know, and then after that, exit stage left. I left. And then I introduced myself to to um Raph from Geeks Unite. The same thing, you know. Frankie, I was doing goodbye. <laughs> and then I just I spent most of my time at Artist Alley. Just getting, trying to get some sketches and talking to artists and other stuff like that. Um, also went to some panels. I also, of course, I went to the Wildstorm panel. That was that was fun. Um, but yeah, and I also got some sketches, which has been on the website IHaveTheStormPodcast.blogspot.com. Yeah, a little little advice. If basically what I did when I got these sketches was. I went to artists and I said, "Hey, draw your favorite Wildstorm character." Or I just said, "You know, draw a Wildstorm character. I don't care which." Which is kind of a dumb thing to say, because <laughs> odds are nine out of ten they're gonna draw Grifter straight up because he's like the easiest sketch to do because uh, his mask takes away all the details that artists would have to draw. And then that's understandable. But yeah. Um, I give credit to those who decided not to do Grifter. I got a few. I got a few that wasn't Grifter, of course. I also like to give credit to Joel Gomez, who drew Grifter, but with Grifter's mask, you know, rolled up. So he drew in all the features of the face. So I thought it was very cool of him. Um, also, the guy, I forgot their names, damn it, um, the artist of, um, Tiny Titans drew a grifter for me, which I thought was pretty cool, it's also my, my avatar now on the comic forms, and, um, other than that, I'm coming home with a practically broken back, um, it was a very, very fun experience for me. And I'm hoping I'll be able to make the February 2009 Comic Con, but I don't know. It's not looking good for me right now. You know, like I said, time. It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. That's great. It starts with an earthquake. First, snakes and aeroplanes. Lenny Bruce is not afraid. This is Wild Shots. This is where I give quick reviews on Wildstorm comic books, past or present. Uh, for this segment, we're going to be going over we're going to be going over the first issues of Wildstorm's World's End event, and those issues are Wildcats issue one, The Authority issue one. Gen 13 issue 21 and Stormwatch issue 13 Stormwatch PhD I should say 
Okay, let's get started with Wildcats World's End Issue 1. The credits are Writer Crystal's Gage, Art by Neil Gouge, Colors by Carrie Strachan, I think. Letters by Wes Abbott, Assistant Editor Christy Quinn, Editor Ben Abernathy, Covered by Gouge and Strachan. Crystal's Gage is a very talented writer and I feel that he got a finger on the pulse of the characters of the Wildcats and he did a great job with Fisher One. Um, there was a very nice flow of flow and mix of violence and sexual innuendos. The art is very clean and very detailed very detailed there's a scene where Zealot is swinging her sword and if you look on her costume which is supposed to be like this armor leather type of thing you can see like the bends like she's swinging like going left half her body's going left and you see like the bends in the clothes it's very detailed art there's no space wasted in this issue the story is basically the Wildcats are based in LA and they're trying to protect a destroyed LA or the, the people of LA from gangs of what they call post-humans. The Wildcats are living in the Halo building which is their base and they're bringing survivors back for food and medical attention and then Majestic shows up looking like a character straight out of Final Fantasy. Majestics want something but we don't know what yet. Um, the moment they show up the Wildcats of course give them a nice warm Wildcats welcome. That's sarcasm. And they fight. And it ends with Zealot um, asking for a sword from Nemesis whose swords are the only ones that can actually harm Majestic. And you see her struggling with the choice of whether or not she wants Zealot to kill him. And that's where it ends for now. And if 18 pages of that juicy goodness isn't enough, you have another short story in the back. Written again by Crystal's Gage. With art this time by Trevor Hare Sign. I wanna I think that's how you say it. it is another beautiful artist. Another very detailed artist at that. The story opens up with Lynch and his soldiers are fighting off post-humans. Actually, I should I should have said this before, but all of this World's End takes place after the Number of the Beast, which was a miniseries where, long story short, the Wildstorm Earth is destroyed. Okay, now moving on. Lynch and his soldiers are fighting off post-humans. They're fighting off post-humans in an IO base, which is internal operations, called the Black Towers. Lynch then finds out that it's happening all over the world. Um, a great scene in this in this backup story is when one of Lynch's soldiers sacrifices herself to save her commander, which is him, Lynch basically throws them through a portal which takes them to a bunker 
which doesn't open up until hours later. And when he gets out of the bunker, he sees basically nothing but destruction all over. And it's at that point, he figures it's time to kill Tao. And if you know your Wildcats history, Tao is a character from Alan Moore's run. And that's where it ends. Very solid stuff from Crystal's Gage here. He's really drawing on all the different eras of the Wildcats and bringing it into this one great story. Great stuff. The next title is The Authority, World's End, Issue 1. The writers are Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning. Artist Simon Kolebi. Colorist Kerry Strachan. Letterer Wes Abbott. Assistant Editor Christy Quinn. Editor Ben Abernathy. The story here is different than what we're used to with the Authority. They're not trying to take over the world or run the world. They're more like trying to help people survive what's happened with this end of the world scenario going on. The story is basically almost the same as the Wildcats World's End Issue 1. Whereas they are trying to save survivors and bring it to their base. The only difference really is that this one the authority are in London or un-London while the Wildcats were in LA but it's the same basic concept for the story save survivors from post-humans trying to eat them but there is differences in the feel of the story Wildcats was almost happier in a sense um, while authority was kinda a very depressing story the the main feature for me in this story was basically what happened to the characters of the authority post the end of the world and how they've changed we have Apollo who now has to hover over the smog clouds in order to get any sun and if he doesn't he starts to disintegrate basically he just starts getting skinnier and weaker and if he's under the clouds for too long he'll die Um, the engineer has lost her powers altogether and she is kind of like striving to find some sort of purpose. Hawksmore is when you find if you re if you see the last page is destroyed just as much as the city that's around him because that's basically his power he's like the king of cities he communicates with cities so now that the city that he's in is destroyed his physical self represents what's happened to London which is now called un-London um, Midnighter is basically the same as he was before um, he, he, but he's just trying to survive or help he's just trying to save people um, there is a a uh, sweet sad scene with mid between Midnighter and Apollo where you kinda see the love they have for each other when Apollo comes to save them but he can't stay because if he stays too long he'll die the art in the main story by Simon Kolebi um, really represents the story very well it's dark and gloomy 
it says post-apocalyptic to me. The backup in this issue is written by Crystal's Gage. Art again by Trevor Hairsign. Colors by Johnny Wrench. Lettered by Wes Abbott. Assistant editor Christy Quinn. And editor Ben Abernathy. This is chapter 2 of the Lynch story. The story in this backup is basically simple. It's almost a origin of Tao or of a update on what Tao's been up to. He goes back to what Tao is. He's a tactically augmented organism, T-A-O, who can basically talk you into doing anything he wants you to do. It, it, that's like his power. The Wildcats came and recruited him. This was during the Alan Moore run. And while he was part of the Wildcats, he decided to start a post-human gang war just to see if he could. But then when he got found out, he faked his death and moved on. And he created his own criminal organization for superpower criminals. And it wasn't for any special reason not to rule the world or for money. He did it just to mess with people. And I believe that all this stuff that happened, it happened in the Sleeper series. Uh, Lynch remembers how Tao convinced Grifter to shoot Lynch in the head, which put him in a coma for a while. And how Holden Carver, at one point, actually ripped Tao's tongue out. That way he can't use his, his, his um, words to manipulate people. And Holden Carver is in a coma still. I think Tao put him in. I'm not sure. And it turns out words isn't only isn't the only thing Tao could use to manipulate people. It's basically any form of communication, hand signals, facial expressions, and stuff like that. And in this backup story, it's put to question on whether or not Tao actually possibly started the end of the world for his own entertainment. The best part for me in this backup is the art by Trevor Hairsign. He's like a mix of Brian Hitch and Claus Jansen-ish. It's very beautiful art, very detailed, very lovely. The next title we're talking about is Gen 13 World's End Issue 21. The writer is Scott Beatty. Artist is Mike Huddleston. Colorist, Carrie Strachan. Letterer, Wes Abbott. Assistant Editor, Christy Quinn. Editor, Ben Abernathy. Of all the World's End titles, I like this one, but it was my least favorite. Um, because it, it seemed like they were the least affected by the whole end of the world. It's almost as if they just show up. And they do, they just show up. But they kind of feel like an afterthought. The story from issue 20, they jump into a portal. And then issue 21 here, they exit that portal. And they find time has passed and they basically just miss the end of the world. The art for me was the best part of the main feature. Um, Mike Huddleston really has a style that fits Gen 13 with it, it's kind of quirky and animated 
and it's totally right for these characters. In the backup, it's written by Crystal's Gage, art by Trevor Harrison, colors by Johnny Wrench, lettered by Wes Abbott, assistant editor Christy Quinn, and editor Ben Abernett. Uh, in the third installment to Lynch, the backup stories, Lynch is basically storming Taos' um, secret safe house in Virginia. Uh, he makes his way through Black Razors, which is elite battle armored agents that used to work for IO, but Tao had his way with them and he brainwashed them into working for him. Uh, as Lynch makes his way through Tao's safe house, we find out that Tao has Halo from the Wildcats as his prisoner. Again, I cannot say enough about this artist, Trevor Harrison. Every backup impresses me. Uh, the story is just as good. Uh, Crystal's Gage does a good job in building up the suspense and makes me want to get Stormwatch PhD to find out what happens next. Which of course brings us to our next title. Stormwatch PhD issue 13 written by Ian Edginton I think pencils by Leandro Fernandez inks by Francisco Peronzini colors by Kerry Strachan letters by Wes Abbott assistant editor Christy Quinn editor Ben Abernethy the art in the story is really good by Leandro Fernandez and it really sets a tone for the dark direction that this title takes. In the opening scene we have a close-up of the Statue of Liberty's face and then a backup and then you see the, the Statue of Liberty's head is in her arm with dead bodies hanging off of her torch and in the background you see a sunken boat and then on the coast behind that you see smokestacks with black smoke coming out it's a very dark sequence the art to me is very reminiscent to John McCree who drew the Hitman series for DC with written by Garth Ennis Ian Edginton does a really good job in reintroducing us to some old Stormwatch characters and introducing us to their powers using his action sequences like Flint gets shot at so you find out that she's indestructible and she's super strong. Fahrenheit of course uses her firepower and you know she has firepower. Uh, Deathblow as we speak of has no powers except probably coming back to life whenever he wants to. <laughs> he also does a good job at re reintroducing old relationships and introducing new relationships. Uh, old relationships like Jackson King and Christine Trelane's um, marriage in one sequence where they have words with each other and you see that they're concerned with each other. 
another sequence where they introduce a new relationship between or a new possible relationship between death blow and Fahrenheit where you see the two flirting with each other the best part for me in the of the story was the action sequences the story uh, plays out pretty much the same like Wildcats World's End Issue 1 and Authority World's End Issue 1 where Stormwatch is, goes out to the world to bring in survivors human survivors and bring them in to give them shelter and food and they do this by teleporting Stormwatch teams from the Skywatch satellite to points on the globe where they feel they are most needed. Of course, for me, the best part of this issue was the backup story, which is written by Christos Gage, art by Trevor Hairsign, colors by Johnny Wrench, lettered by Wes Abbott, Christy Quinn, assistant editor, and Ben Abernathy, editor. Okay, we return to Tiles, Virginia Safe House, where we find out that. Lynch is not actually talking to Tao, but actually just a hologram of him. And that also Tao is not responsible for Armageddon, but he knew it was coming. And that he's going to use this opportunity to reshape the world in his own image. And you see that he has an army of soldiers behind him to help him do it. And they're probably augmented humans like himself. And we find out that he's captured Void from the Wildcats because he doesn't want her running around trying to remake the world like she's done before. And then Lynch reluctantly decides to signal for his fellow soldiers the original Team 7. What else can I say about these backup stories? Um, from the first one to this one they have been great artistically and written beautifully by Crystal's Gage and artist Trevor Hairsign. Crystal's Gage seems to be Wildstorm's fix-it man. He really has a hand on his characters and he's writing them beautifully. I don't know if there's going to be a Team 7 title, but if one comes out because of these backup stories, I hope it's done by this team. Uh, Crystal's Gage and Trevor Hairsign. And that's the end of Wild Shots, which now brings us to the contest. And here's the contest. Question. Name all seven of the original Team 7. Either email it to me, um, post it on the forum. There'll be a topic for it. There'll be a thread for it. Or PM me. However you do it, just send me the answer. I will put your name in a hat, and I'll draw a name, and whatever that name is will be the winner. The winner will be sent five titles, which will be Wildcats World's End Issue 1, The Authority World's End Issue 1, Gen 13 Issue 21, and Stormwatch PhD Issue 13. And... Issue 1 of the original miniseries, Team 7, written by Chuck Dixon, and art by Aaron Weisenfeld.
and it's that easy. Get to type. This is the forecast. This is where I'm going to be going over the solicitations for Wildstorm Comics. These solicitations are coming from the December issue of previews showing the solicitations for February. First we have Stormwatch PhD issue 19 which according to the solicitations is going to be a crossover between uh, the Authority issue 7. Looks like they're going to be teaming up to fight Edelon and his army of the mad. Uh, we also have Gen 13 issue 27. I already said Authority issue 7. Uh, one title that I'm looking forward to is Mysterious, The Unfathomable. The solicitation is for issue 2. It's written by Jeff Parker and art by Tom Fowler. Uh, we have Wildcats issue 8. It's another title I'm looking forward to. And it has art by Pete Woods. And Ben Oliver does the backup with Crystal's Gate writing the story. We have the Secret History of the Authority Hawksmore trade paperback coming out. This was a six-issue miniseries written by Mike Costa with art by Fiona Staple. It was a very noir story and the art matched it by Fiona Staple. And it was a very good story and I loved reading it. Next we have their licensed properties with Push issue 6, which is a prequel to the movie coming out. I'll put up the trailer. Uh, Push issue 6 is written by Mark Bernardin and Adam Freeman. Art by Bruno Redondo and Aaron Minier. Covered by Mario Alberti. Next we have Gears of War issue 5. Written by Joshua Ortega and art by Liam Sharp. Cover by Brendan Badaut. Next we have Mirror's Edge, issue 4. Written by Rihanna Pratchett. Art by Matthew Dow Smith. Cover by Nico Herricon. Then we have Resistance, issue 3. Written by Mike Costa. Art by C.P. Smith and Ramon Perez. Then we have World of Warcraft, issue 16. Written by Walter Simonson. Art by Mike Bowden and Jerome K. Moore. Covered by John Baran and Tony Washington. And then we have The X-Files, issue 4. Written by Marv Wolfman. Art by Brian Denham and cover by Jim Daly and Tim Bradsheet. I, I was into the TV series X-Files. I don't know if I'm going to be picking these up. And that's it for the show. Remember the contest. Name the original Team 7 members and you win some comics. Also, you can contact the show by calling the comment line at 
914-595-6629. You can email me at eyeofthestormpodcast at gmail.com or email me at frankiedejesus at gmail.com. And when I have a forum set up, you'll be able to contact me through the forum as well. Or you can send me a PM at, at the comic forums. Uh, on the comic forums, I'm Detective27. Also, if you use the 11 o'clock forums, I go by Frankie. Peace and happy holidays. Yes, Doctor. Welcome back indeed. Doctor! After all this time, another pretty girl with them hope she has a mind. The Todd is, I hope it has the same design. And I hope the BBC won't throw them out this time. And when the day comes, I'm watching Doctor Who. God help you if you block my view. Everything will be alright once he's on the screen. I'll jump up and say, God save the Queen. Cause TV now leaves me so bored. I need my renegade time lord. Home is where your second heart is, and his is the TARDIS. Known as the doctor, but don't work for no artist. Fox forgot he is not half human. Or what I would do to be one of his crewmen. You know the one place I would go? Back to 89 to stop him from canceling the show. See the face may have changed, but the name is the same. Now he's back in the game, but without Sarah Jane.